Well, I want to thank Larry for reading this psalm with expression and giving us a little space between the verses to think about what we're reading. And I was going to make just a comment or two on our songs, and Larry, you did already. Not I, but Christ. And I particularly feel that way today. Um, Not I, but Christ and his grace in our lives. So in this psalm, I I have four thoughts that I have circled in red. One is verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I wonder why that verse stood out to me. (laughs) Maybe you can feel with me. Verse 8. The Lord is gracious. The grace of God has been one of my themes ever since Lil's passing. The Lord is gracious. And that's kind of the theme or desire and prayer that I have today, that that would bleed through the message, the grace of God. Verse 14, The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. And that would be a message for all of us. I can only, yeah, let me rephrase that. I'm not the only one that experiences needing the grace of God. We all go through trials and struggles and sometimes maybe fall. In our journeys, we know that God raises up those that be bowed down. That's our God. And then verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. That means he's close. When we stop and take the time to acknowledge him and call upon him. There's probably not anyone here today that doesn't desire to be close to God. So, we're needy creatures. We need the grace of God in our lives to live lives that are pleasing to him. So now for the greeting and the welcome. Maybe I'm a little emotional today. But I was thinking about how to greet you all here today. And I came to the conclusion that there's no greater way to do it than just say greetings in Jesus' precious name. 
And of course, a welcome to all. And I appreciate that my children and Rosemary have made special effort to be here today. And also Mel and Anna and Ben and Barb. I appreciate my family, and I'm sure they would say, don't say too much about us, but I would like to just acknowledge and recognize that they're here. Lamar and Rose are here with, I think I saw them all, five children, four boys and a girl. Dwayne and Lois are here with their four, two boys and two girls. And of course, Arlen and Carissa are here with their four girls. And Stephen and Zaid are here. They have four boys, but only Stephen and Zaid. It was only practical for those two to come. Um, they live in Canyon City, Colorado. They're serving at New Horizons and are presently fostering a one-year-old. So Kendra needed to stay at home with three of the boys. And Stephen, I think you're doing a wise thing by heading back home tomorrow morning. But what a privilege to be alive and to know that we serve a living God. That's life. And this living God that we're serving is one who loves us and cares for us and has our best in mind. And how would I know that? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I guess I'd like to acknowledge that God has been gracious to us and to myself in blessing us all. And maybe, the, maybe your fill-in-the-blanks would be different than mine just now. But we are blessed in that we have another day. This is the day the Lord hath made, and... Proverbs 27.1 says, don't boast about tomorrow. Just simply meaning that we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow or not. But I, I feel like it's a blessing of the Lord that we have this day. Now, I was asked to uh, consider sharing somewhat of a reflective message today. So I'll be reflecting a bit of my church life here at Mine Road, and then include some of my spiritual journey and how the grace of God has impacted my life. 
So maybe a title to the message could be Amazing Grace. And I know um, some weeks ago I started praying about and thinking about what would be appropriate for a last message. And I had different words like faith and endurance and so on and so on. And I had to admit that my favorite theme is the grace of God, and especially since Lil's passing. And I don't intend at all for this to be a cheap grace message, but a message that will end with what I call perfect power to live a life in victory and above sin and a life that's pleasing to God. So there's a song that uh, keeps ringing in my mind for weeks and months already. And some of you may recognize the song. I'm going to read the lyrics of it. The title is, I am what I am. I am what I am because of his grace. For one spotless lamb died in my place. All my sins are forgiven. My past is erased. I am what I am because of his grace. I was lost and undone. Now I'm found and fulfilled. God traded his son for my shame and my guilt. Now I'm his child, no longer sin's slave. His mercy has made me what I am today. So in the message today, I hope that it's Christ, not I. And I'd like to make much of the grace of God. So as you all know and have maybe even understood Marcus in his announcements to say that today I'm officially retiring from the administration team here. Administrative responsibilities here at Mine Road. And this will be another change in my life. And with changes, there are adjustments. But I've found that God's grace has always been sufficient for any change that I had in my life. And I see some heads nodding. I think you can identify with that. So with the confidence that God's grace is sufficient for any change that he allows in our life, I can look forward to this change. And I just want to bless the four men that we have on our ministry team. And then I was thinking that in some ways our lives are like climbing a ladder. You know, we don't start on the top. We start on the ground, 
And then we're encouraged along the way to grow in our Christian life. We're encouraged to strive for excellence and to cultivate our God-given gifts and callings, all for the glory of God. But sooner or later, for reasons of physical decline or turning 70 or maybe other reasons, we need to relinquish our position on the ladder of life. We need to surrender position, responsibilities, and even titles to someone else. So while I'm content in doing that, I told the ministry team that I, if the need arises and I'm called to pitch in or help out with something, I'd like to think that I would be available for that. Now, I said sometimes, some, in some ways, our lives are like climbing a ladder. Well, in some ways, our lives are like chapters in a book. And as I reflect on my past life, it seems more and more like my life is in chapters. I remember in 2001, when our family was in Romania for five years, and we were approaching the last days, it struck me that what has happened in Romania has happened. What is written is written. And it looked like the chapter was closing. So I was struck with that thought. And now with having reached retirement age, as far as administration responsibilities here at Mine Road, the reality is that what is written is written. And I'm sharing that to, to invite you to think about your own book that you're writing, your own chapters. Each of us is writing a story, a book with chapters, and someday our book will be written. In relation to our Sunday school lesson, um, I forget now which verse we were talking about, but I brought up something that I had thought about in preparation for this message. Born once, die twice. Born twice, and just die once. And this became very real to me just recently when a friend of mine found his 13-year-old son in bed and he had died during the night, 13 years old. Vincent Peachy was an energetic young man who loved reading, going to school, lawn care during the summer, and helping his uncle Jason on the farm along with his cousins. He was a hard worker, 
who rarely complained and was always eager to help. His cheerful disposition will be greatly missed in the community. And that was part of the obituary. And I'm not sharing that at all to cause any fear in children or young people. But that is sobering that Vincent's days were in God's hands. His chapters and his book maybe wasn't as long as some of us. So now I'd like to uh, reflect a bit on church life here at Mine Road, my experience here. And I'd like to start with, and I'm going to take the time to read Ephesians 4 and invite you to turn there if you care to. Ephesians 4, and I'll just read verses 11 through 16. Thinking about our church here, our family. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he, God, gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, meaning that everybody here is chosen to be here, to be a part of the family, to edify one another. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, or a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Much could be said about this, I'm just wanting us to be challenged and think about, are you a giver or a receiver? Or a taker, I should say. Are you a giver or a taker? And maybe this will help us understand or see the value of being a giver and doing your part in building each other up. We understand that the Christian life is a journey, and God has so designed that we walk together with others. And I find that fascinating over the years, that God actually designed the church, the local body, and that we are to 
do church together. Of course, we know that it takes submission and respect for each other in order to have a healthy body. So I was 16 when Mine Road started here. And consider it a tremendous privilege to have been part of this church all these years. I think it's rather unique and even kind of hard to believe that a number of us had over 50 years of church life together. We had many Sunday morning worship services together. Many Sunday school lessons. Bible study groups, accountability groups, small groups, many communion services, revival meetings, baptisms, funerals, weddings. The Bible tells us that we are to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with them that weep. And we have had many opportunities to do that with each other as we weathered the storms of life together and supported each other. So whether by a step or many miles, maybe you see what I'm getting at. Each of you have made an impact on my life. Starting all the way back when I was 16. And I've come to appreciate the family, the church. I'm amazed at how God uses brothers and sisters in the church to help us to see our rough edges in our lives that need to be refined. So let's not, yes, I want to say this yet. God has designed that we're in the school of learning together. So let's not minimize the effect that we have on each other. A smile and a greeting expresses value to each other. Our discussions after church can be so valuable. You know, for some of us, we only see each other about once a week, and that's on Sunday morning. For the 42 years that Lil and I had together, we drove the 20 minutes from here to the farm, or I should say from the farm to here in the morning, and then back to the farm after the church service. And... Can you identify with something like this? Maybe not if you just live one minute away from church. But we would, we would often discuss who we talked to after church. And it had an effect on, on us. It impacted our lives. So I'm just acknowledging that having a family, a church family, and having... Christian friends is 
huge in the shaping. of our lives and I think I'll long remember the sermon we had here two was it two weeks ago Larry that you preached I think and I appreciate have appreciated and appreciate going to church with people of faith those that are enduring trials in their older years, those that by faith endure disappointments and losses and sickness and death of loved ones, and yet all the while purposing that by the grace of God we're going to remain faithful. And I'll throw this in. I personally have felt a lot of undeserved kindness from you as a congregation in the years that I served on the leadership team. Your notes, and I'm saying this now to encourage you to support the the current team. Your, Your thoughtfulness in texts and notes of appreciation, prayer support and offerings. It's tremendous, and I want to thank you. And I know I'm not mentioning everything, but I'm just now thinking of the Secret Sister program that the widows are a part of and the secret family for this widower And I'd like to think that you're sitting here somewhere. But I want to thank you. So on a personal note, I can say with Samuel in 1 Samuel 7, 12, where he declared that hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And I won't make many comments on on this thought, except to bring out that the word hitherto in Hebrew is a very interesting, has a very interesting meaning. And it connects us with the past, the present, and the future. And since we don't know what the future holds for us, we need to place our trust and faith in someone who does and has our best interest in mind. So I was encouraged with the promise in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore shall I say the Lord is my helper, and that's grace. The Lord is my helper, and I shall not fear what men or devils or Satan or the past or the future may do unto me. You know, in these 
50 years, 50 plus years here at Mine Road, there were actually 40, more than 40 members that passed away and went on to their reward. And we all find it, funerals are sobering and life-changing for us. And I was comforted many times as I meditated on 1 Thessalonians 3, where it tells us that those which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with him, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Tremendous comfort and promise and window into our future. It was just maybe a month ago whenever I was driving up Route 30 and I saw a church sign that said, Jesus rose, and who knows what the rest of the sign said. Jesus rose, we're next. Because Jesus rose, we have that to look forward to. And if I could just add this, and that's not the end when we rise. There is, and this is all things you could find in Scripture, there is wakening in Jesus' likeness. There's thrones, there's harps, there's songs, there's psalms, there's white raiment, the face of Jesus, the company of saints, the glory of God, the fullness of eternity, the infinity of bliss. And I just came from, this weekend is a widow and widower seminar at Penn Valley. So I was there Friday evening and most of yesterday. If you have an opportunity and interest, I encourage you to get the CD for Friday evening where John Byler from Withville shared the things that Linda saw and expressed before she died. They actually did a 14-minute video. So John was saying they, they did a 14-minute video of Linda's expressions and words before she died. So John was saying that what he's sharing is accurate because he just checked with the video that they have. But one of the things that I'm remembering now that stood out was she said, I see Jesus. And there's blood dripping from him. And it's for us. Yeah, so if you really want to be inspired, get a hold of that CD. So now let's consider for a few minutes that grace the grace of God 
And you can turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1. I'm amazed at how Jesus' death and his resurrection has redeemed us from the captivity of Satan. His death and resurrection rescued us from the awful consequences of sin. And one of those consequences is just living with guilt. Just, yeah. The death and resurrection of Christ has redeemed us from guilt. So I'd like to read 2 Corinthians 1, beginning to read in verse 3. And I'll just say this, that there are some verses in my Bible where I circle the verse with red, and this is one of those portions. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherein, wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And this is Paul writing, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, and I'm wanting us to apply that to ourselves. We had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also, helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us, by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. And one more verse. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. So as a result of grace, and I'll just summarize this by saying, as a result of God's grace, 
We have been saved from sin's penalty. Guilt can be removed. One day we will be saved from sin's presence. What glory. In the meantime, we find ourselves needing to be saved from sin's power. And God gives grace to do that. And I'd like to close then in a few minutes with the scripture that I have appreciated so much in my Christian life. And that one is in Titus 2. So, God is gracious. How do I know? Should we? Could we, if we had time, just look at the scripture and, and just solidify that God is a God of grace? And I'll just mention three w- real quickly. In Exodus 34, these are the words that the Lord proclaimed to Moses. And this is the King James Version, I believe. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then that scripture that Larry read, Psalm 145, 8 and 9, just highlight that God is gracious. And then, okay, so that was Moses and David. And then Peter in the New Testament says that God is the God of all grace. And that's in 1 Peter 5.10. So what is grace? Maybe I should have started with this. But grace is the very character of God. It's the very character of his nature abounding and overflowing outwardly in acts of pity, mercy, compassion, and liberal giving. I am what I am because of the grace of God. I think I shared this here once before, and I will again. It's, it um, explains what grace is to us. When a person works an eight-hour day, and receives pay for his time, that's called wages. When a person receives a trophy for his performance, that's a prize. When a person receives recognition for his achievements, that's an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, cannot win a prize, deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway. That's a good picture of God's undeserved love and unmerited favor. That's grace. And that's all of us. Now, just, I said earlier, I don't don't want this to be even taken as what we refer to today sometimes as a cheap grace message. While grace is a free gift and cannot be earned, it only comes to us through, can somebody tell us? It only comes to us through 
Okay. What about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For by grace are you saved through faith. So, there are many in the world that choose not to have faith in God. But if you want the grace of God in your life to help you through this life, to give you an expected end and hope, we must place our faith in God. Does he honor little faith? Big faith? I think he honors faith. And so I find myself touching on some of my favorite themes. And in a nutshell, or all in one sentence almost, it's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And then Paul in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, says it like this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we don't find justification any other way than faith in Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So I see the circle completed. What's first, grace or faith? We need the grace of God to grow in faith. And we need to grow in faith to experience God's grace. God pours his grace into our lives when we come to him in, and I chose two words, when we come to him in faith and when we come to him in humility. There's a verse that says, God gives grace to the humble. So if anyone's here wondering how to experience the grace of God, just humble yourself, acknowledge God, and allow him to have your faith start growing, acknowledging him. You know, I just came from the seminar, and I was so challenged. We sat in small groups, and uh, there were like 12 in the group I was in. And so we were just given like an hour just to talk and share with each other. There's actually a, a, a widow lady. Her name is Mary Grable. I don't know how soon it is, but she's going to need to move out of the house she's in. And she has, she said it, I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm trusting God. And she's not going to worry. She doesn't worry because others are worrying for her. That's a life of faith and trust. I could share a number of things that came up in that group. Um, 
men and women that have lost a companion and are just going to God, the God of all grace, for, yeah, to, to get on top of the struggles and trials and loneliness and, yeah. So one brother said, I'm just too blessed to be stressed. And that, I think, can be a key for all of us. When you feel stress, just start thanking God for your blessings. We sang songs like, God will take care of you. God moves in mysterious ways. Lift your glad voices. So it wasn't all, we don't go there just to feel sorry for each other. We go there to encourage and hear each other's victory stories and the grace of God. So I think I'm going to almost repeat what one of the speakers said yesterday. He said, there's a lot more that's not said, but I see it's time to close. And then he took his seat. I'd like to, yeah, um, I'd like to just have us turn to that scripture in Titus. Is it Titus 2? Titus 2, verse 11, and I'll read uh, 11 through 15. Now, this talks about the grace of God and that the grace of God is sufficient for every trial, every guilt, every sin. And the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, that means responsibly, righteously, that means doing right things and making right decisions, and godly. Maybe that means... Um, having God's thoughts and God's actions. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar or a special people that's zealous of good works. 
These things speak and exhort and rebuke or point out errors. Rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So I'm going to close with, I had a number of things to close with. But I'm going to close with a song that, the lyrics of a song that just say it so well. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he adds mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm, everlasting, availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. His love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Maybe I could read 1 Peter 5.10 to wrap this up. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And I'm going to invite you to kneel with me in prayer.